The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And Duff McKagan calling in the joke of the week from South America. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you from the Amazon. Yes, I'm in Manaus, Brazil, in the Amazon. Hey, listen, do you know the difference between black-eyed peas and chickpeas? Black-eyed peas can sing you a song. Chickpeas can hum us on... Thank you very much. Goodbye. Another classic from Duff. Uh, he and Guns N' Roses are now in Brazil. I love following them around the world via his jokes. Uh, GNR getting ready to headline the Rock and Rio Festival tomorrow, September 8th. Uh, they have a bunch of dates in South America, and they head to Mexico next month, followed by Asia, Australia, and New Zealand before the end of the year. All right, today on the show, I've got Alan Angels, formerly of AEW's Dark Order. He just left AEW a few months ago. He'll tell us why he made that choice, why I recommended it, and why I endorse it, and what he has planned for his future, and some of the matches he's already got lined up at Impact and New Japan. He's also talking about his journey to AEW, how the pandemic was really a blessing in disguise for him, what it was like to be part of the 30-match filming day in Atlanta, uh, the day before the original pandemic shut down, I was the commentator for all those matches. He also explains how he ended up in the Dark Order and what it was like to work with Brody Lee, the late, great Brody Lee. He talks about the skits they all did for being the elite, what inspired them, and how they were finally able to get Brody to take part in them. He has stories about training in the Nightmare Factory with QT Marshall, working a match on Dynamite against Kenny Omega, the most uh, controversial match, yet uh, one that made Allen's career. What it was like to be in his hometown with his dad and girlfriend at ringside while wrestling Brian Danielson. It is Alan Angels, number five on Talk is Jericho, starting now. Here right now with uh, Alan Angels. And uh, it's interesting because it's funny, in the last probably three years or two and a half years, I think we probably talked maybe five times. Yeah. And it always takes something like this to, to get a chance to sit down and talk. But it's interesting to me because you have kind of made a decision in your career, which as soon as I saw it, I thought, good for you. And I'll let you decide. I'll let you explain exactly what you did. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, Chris, I just want to say big fan of the show. Oh, cool. <laughs> talk to Jericho got me through my nine to fives uh, before AEW. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was like my go-to. Well, there you go. Now you're on. I know, dude. It's crazy. Um. Yeah, man. I uh, I just decided that uh, you know maybe it was time to. So they were told. I was told they weren't going to renew my contract uh, about forty five days before uh, it was up, mm -hmm. and basically they just weren't going to give me the the same deal. Right. Um, they were going to give me a, a per appearance deal, 
Gotcha. If I wanted it, and I kind of just, um, I figured that maybe I had reached the limits of where I could get here right now it, at this it, this run in my career, this point in my career. So young, you know, I came into AEW as virtually a nobody. I I wrestled maybe three years doing the southeast uh, circuit and stuff. How old are you now? Twenty-four. Gosh, wow, well, yeah. Yeah, I got signed at twenty-two. Um, so you know, I had grown. I, I, you know, I built up a little bit of a following uh, on the internet and stuff like that. But I feel like there was a perception of me, and I know a lot of people hate this word, but like I was kind of like the the jobber of the dark order, the the bottom guy mm-hmm. on the dark order. And I feel like when fans uh, build up that perception of you, I think it's kind of hard to change mm-hmm. that. If that makes sense, I think it's you know once once that's decided, once they once they get that that there's there's no changing it unless like you know gradually you build up build up build up but like i feel like in AEW that would have taken a really long time if that makes sense it, it makes perfect sense so what was kind of finally the, the 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 final straw for you to go um i don't know if there was a final straw i think it was just i kind of realized that i could do a lot more on the indies and uh, or other companies I right could, i could really right. build up my name doing that as opposed to just staying here and kind of doing the same thing over and over mm-hmm. and over again it's know? smart like there, there's a, a great movie by by quentin tarantino called once upon a time in hollywood oh i love that movie yeah okay so i love the part where uh where mr schwarz al pacino is telling dicaprio that you can continue being the heavy in these tv movies and get beat up and, and lose every time and then you lose kind of your leading man perception and that's kind of what you're saying because it's it's it, once again, you did a great job. You get signed out of nowhere, get TV time for the next two years or three years, whatever it is. But when you reach that limit, you got to take a chance, and it's kind of scary at first to take that chance. So were you kind of nervous to do that, or were you were you committed to like this is the way to go? Um, yeah, I was definitely nervous. I was more nervous like financially because now it's like if I get hurt then I'm not getting paid. You know, I can't do these indie shows. You know, I can do signings and stuff like that, but um, my main goal right now is, my main focus is to wrestle. So if I get hurt, you know, I'm not getting paid. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the, the scariest part. But I think besides that, I'm more excited than anything. You know what I mean? I'm excited to, uh, you know, just travel the world. I was, I was telling my friend the other day, I kind of, his, his name's AC Mack, and he's an independent wrestler. And I told him, I said, you know, I kind of pictured my career going, how his career is going. He's currently the independent wrestling champion and he he we started about the same time we did the the southeast circuit and now he's getting booked more and more places slowly but surely i kind of pictured my career going how his career is going going how like your career went and, and eddie's career went right. i always i always pictured myself like traveling all over the world and doing all these different things before i ever got signed anywhere but luckily i just i got scooped up by aw so, at the right so, time so you let, let's kind of go back then through your career so when you got signed you'd only been in the business for a few years yeah about three mm-hmm. gotcha so that and once again you hadn't had a chance to, to really go overseas anywhere because mm-hmm. when you got signed too was was you know we'll talk about the whole story but it was right at the beginning of the lockdown yeah. so you really couldn't go anywhere so it actually was the perfect time for you to get to, for you to get that contract oh yeah definitely and i, I feel like one thing i didn't really like over these past few weeks, you know, ever since I got released, I didn't really get to say this, but uh, like I appreciate Tony and AEW so much for picking me up when they did because I had like no plan. When I got signed, I had like less than $100 in my bank account. You know, it's like one of those things yeah. where it's just like I had no idea what I was going to do. I had just gotten laid off because of COVID. 
So like I, I had no idea. I had no plan. And luckily, like I appreciate Tony and AEW so much for picking me up and giving me the chance to uh, wrestle on a big stage and show what I can do and just like help me and everybody else that, you know, got signed during the pandemic and just giving us a chance to uh, to wrestle and show what we can do, you know. And I'll say this, too. You're not the only one that got offered a per appearance deal after their contract was was done mm-hmm. happened to quite a few guys because once again now the first couple of years of aw is over there's a lot more you know cm punk is here now and adam cole is here and brian dannison is here so it's not it's not like a, a cut down on you it's just kind of like the way that the whole financial contract scene went mm-hmm. in aw so um just for people listening that, that have to understand that but so let's talk about when you first got into the business then. So you were you, were you a fan your whole life? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Since I was like seven years old. I was actually, my dad watched it when I was like a little kid. Um, but I told my preschool teacher to know her role and shut her mouth. <laughs> so then I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to watch for, for a few years. And I think I was just like skimming through the channels one day and ended up watching SmackDown or something like that. And rest is history you know so when you when you you start out for wrestling because you're not a ta- the tallest guy was that something that you ever thought of like am i big enough to do this i was always my my thing like, am i big enough to do this because your yeah. perception is that well not so much now but especially back then was that everybody's got to be six foot eight 300 pounds of solid muscle to even make a mark in the business yeah oh definitely i mean like everybody was super tall or you know or jacked or something you know and there was like the ray mysterios who was like my original first favorite wrestler right. of course you know um but then i think what really uh what really like changed my mind into like oh i can do this and this was maybe two years before i was old enough to start wrestling was brian danielson winning the world heavyweight championship at wrestlemania like to me that was like okay like this guy is about my size like, I think I can really do this. You know what I mean? Like, it, like I don't think Brian even realizes how many people he's inspired sure. by, just, by just coming in and just being like a quote-unquote normal guy and, you know, main eventing WrestleMania against, like, the, the main, like, the main, like, WWE guys, Batista and Randy Orton. You know what I mean? Like, so I think... Uh, the, 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 the epitome of what WWE wrestling exactly. should look like against, right. you know, I think Vince called him, he said he looks like a librarian. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah, it's like the whole, you, you build a wrestler from, from the ground up, it's yeah. going to look like Randy Orton, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not going to look like Brian Danielson, but that night, you know, I think he, you know, he really inspired a lot of people like myself that are smaller and, and that, you know, maybe don't have the stereotypical pro wrestler look mm-hmm. that they can do this. I remember I waited in line at World of Wheels in Winnipeg, about 1987 or so, to meet Ricky Steamboat. And I had, I've told the story before, but I had like one question. I, I can ask one question. I'm going to have time because I was watching. The people get about, they get about a minute with them. I can ask something. And the, the brilliant line that I asked was what I really wanted to know was, how tall are you? I really wanted to know. Yeah. Because he said, I'm about 5'11", 230 pounds. I'll never forget that. And I'm like, 5'11"? I'm 5'11". Ricky Steamboat, my favorite wrestler, is 5'11". Yeah. So I, I get that where you see somebody, obviously he was jacked to the gills, but still, you could see somebody that's in your you know, wavelength and in your wheelhouse of, of your size, and that does give you inspiration for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of my favorite. And Brian's like one of my favorites of all time. So yeah. like, yeah, it's great. So how did you uh, get into the business then? Uh, so I started out, I, you know, just Googled pro wrestling schools on online. Are you from Atlanta? I am. Yeah. Gotcha. From Atlanta. Uh, so I started, uh, at a school in Atlanta. It's called the WWA four, uh, run by, it was run by AR Fox still is. Um, and I trained there for maybe two and a half years. Kind of, I, you know, I 
definitely trained there for the first year, and then I started going to the Nightmare Factory, what's now known as the Nightmare Factory, which is the Power Factory back then, just run by QT at the time. Um, and I started going there on and off, and eventually, uh, and that's how I ended up getting the, the gig at being an extra on the, the AW Dynamites. Um, they were filmed in Norcross. They were right down, right down yeah. the street, actually, like about 15 How, how many matches did you have? I, mean, I don't know. I, I, I had a good amount. I mean, I've been wrestling about three years, gotcha. so maybe 150 But just mostly in this area? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, like that area. I'd done a few things up north, but like it's very hard to, especially when you're first starting out, to get out of like a certain area mm. now, you know, because you either have to make that drive or you have to fly out there. And as an indie wrestler, like you don't really have money to buy the flight. So unless the promoter is going to do it for you, then it's kind of hard and it's, it's hard to build up that name, you know? So you're just kind of riding, riding the roads, making towns, getting as much experience as you can. Oh yeah, dude. Like I said, I, I imagine myself like being like the stereotypical, like living in my car, like wrestler, you know what I mean? Just starting out. Just, I wanted to, I wanted to live that life. You know what I mean? I wanted to just like live out of my car and just like ride the roads and do all that stuff. What was the worst show that you did in that time frame? Probably the first indie show that I ever did. There was about seven of us packed in a in a car, and we drove about seven hours to a town called Dyersburg, Tennessee, for uh, <laughs> I think it was called X, uh, DXW, yeah. and it was like in a shoot barn, like an actual barn. There was hay on the floor, just like a small a low boy ring, you know, just the worst ropes of all time. We got paid like uh, I think twenty dollars each oh, or something like that. That's, hey, that's you know, lot. that's actually not the least I've ever been paid. So what's know, the least you've ever paid? Was that what's the least you've ever been paid besides um, free? One time I got paid in a $5 bill and it was supposed to go to me and my tag partner <laughs> and they just gave me the $5 bill. So we're supposed <laughs> to split it. I 250 guess. each buddy. Yeah. Right. My worst payoff ever was the same. It was actually a, a, our, our trainer somehow conned us into doing a kid's birthday party, nice. which was a good one Been in, there. A, in a Quonset, which was like a barn, like a, like a uh-huh. Canadian, like, horse barn uh-huh. and we got paid a, a hot dog and a glass of orange juice nice that nice. was a good payoff yeah that is a good payoff dude <laughs> it's a free meal you know yeah exactly right you're gonna spend it anyways the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So let's talk about the day when you finally came to, to AW because this was pretty crazy. I'll set the stage. We did TV, I think, in Jacksonville. And then there was a big kind of warning that Florida and Georgia were shutting down at midnight the next day. And I remember I called Tony after the jack because I was off that week. It's the week that I I can't remember what I did. Oh, I did a I did a when, when Matt Hardy had his his drone, and I did a pre-tape at my house where the, me and my dogs chased the drone away. And so we were trying to think of like. And the next week I was supposed to do commentary as we were kind of putting together what we we're going to do. So I called Tony and he's like, yeah, we got to do, uh, we got to go to Atlanta and we got to do like 30 matches. We got to do five weeks of TV. And I was like, I'll be there. He goes, you're going to be there. I was like, well, first of all, from a selfish standpoint, I don't think I've ever told this story. I can't be off TV for five weeks. Like I can't, like I got to be involved. Five weeks is a lifetime in wrestling. 
So I'll go and I'll, I was supposed to do commentary the next weekend. I'll just do commentary for all the matches. He said, well, that's perfect because Excalibur can't make it. California guys can't make it. So I flew in the next day and got ready to do commentary with Tony Schiavone for 30 matches. So that's my side of the story. Tell, tell us how that worked out for you. Yeah. So it was one of those things, like you said, a lot of the people that were supposed to fly in couldn't fly in because I think most of the airports were shut down or whatever. So really the only people that could come were the people that could drive Florida people and Georgia people. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think a few New York people came down, but like, you know, (laughs) many, yeah. Yeah, Darby or yeah, that many. Yeah. Yeah. Sammy Um, came from Texas. I remember that. Right. Yeah. 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 So yeah, they, we did a live dynamite. I think the first day where I ended up wrestling QT and Dustin and it was me and Vance, and we were in full body Dark Order outfits. Was that prior? Was that were you actually? Oh, were you like a Dark Order? It like, was a Dark Order, like guy. a minion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we didn't like. We both had like full body outfits gotcha. on, so like you couldn't see my tattoos. You couldn't see how jacked he was, you know. Right. So uh, yeah, nobody. I don't think anybody really knew it was us, except for like maybe a few people on the internet or whatever, just kind of guessing. So were you Dark Order guys before that? Prior? Uh, yeah, we actually did like before the pandemic. We did a few like of the creeper things where. We we just like wore the mask and we were just like nameless, faceless. Well, before we guys. get to this, let's talk about that a bit. So, so yeah. what were some of the things that you do? Were you involved in the famous? No. Okay. No, 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 no. Before you even asked, no, I was not involved in that. Um, no, the I famous beat that. down. That, no, yeah. No, yeah. I wasn't involved in that one, but, uh, we did a bunch of, we were at uh, full gear that whole loop, um, in 2019 and we did a few creeper things. I actually also, uh, threw the water at MJF. If you remember that, the beer, oh. at, uh, after he dick kicked Cody. Oh, I was right. the one that threw the, and I got pulled out by security. So I, I was, that was me. Oh, you were delegated. This is still when we had people. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. So yeah, we did the creeper things a few times. And then the, when the Norcross tapings happened, we, we wrestled a match and we wrestled QT and Dustin. And I think that was on a live dynamite. I'm no, pretty I don't sure. Think, I, th- I think that there was no live ones from Norcross because, oh, really? or was there? I, I think, I don't think you were there the first day. There was two days. I don't think you were there the first day. Oh, okay. Um, Cause we just did a live dynamite and maybe a few dark matches. Gotcha. The second day. Um, was when we did the 30 or 40 matches or whatever. Oh, okay. So the one, okay. So maybe that's what it was. It wasn't Jacksonville. It was Atlanta mm-hmm. where you did the live dynamite. And that's when I had sent in the drone thing with the dogs. Okay. So that was in Atlanta and Norcross. I think there was also another Jacksonville taping before that. Gotcha. And then the Norcross tapings was the second week. So there was a live dynamite from Norcross. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I, I believe so. I'm pretty sure I could yeah. be remembering. You could be right. Sure. I think so. Yeah. And so, yeah, then the second day, uh, so that night QT comes up to me and he says, uh, I think you might wrestle Kenny tomorrow. And I'm like, bro, why would you tell me that? I would rather just like show up and you tell me then. Um, so now of course I can't sleep. I, I go home and I like couldn't sleep. The gym isn't open. So I'm like freaking out. I, I had like hardly worked out at all in the last like two weeks because the gyms were shut down. Luckily I have like dumbbells in my basement. So I pretty much just stayed up all night working out, uh, <laughs> like just getting ready for this Kenny match. And then we got there, you know, we did, we did the long taping. We were luckily, we were one of the first few matches and I wrestled Kenny. And how was that with Kenny? Like to to set the scene there. Oh man, it was, it was crazy. We, I just, I found him and he said, yeah, man, come to my trailer and we'll talk about it. We we talked about it. And as we're talking about it, I'm like, I don't know if this is going to be four minutes because we only had four minutes, but I was like, I don't know if this is going to be four minutes, but you know, if anybody can do it, it's Kenny, you know? Classic Kenny could care less, right? He was yeah. on, he was on a mission yeah. to to make you look good. It seemed, and, and you know, I think it was because, and I don't know, I've never actually talked to him about this, but I think it was partially because a few months prior we had done, and you were there, you were at this as well, at Southern Honor. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I don't yeah. know, I don't know if you remember. I didn't know that you were there. Yeah, yeah. Um, me and Kenny did like a whole spot 
where we uh i think you came out first uh did a whole thing and then i attacked uh, i think uh dustin no what's his name uh what's uh what's his name the big arm heat the guy with the giant arms Sure. No, he works here. He, he, oh yeah, yeah. Um, is, what's his name? Uh, Dylan. Yeah. Dylan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sunny days. I, Sunny days. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I came out and attacked Sunny days. Uh-huh. So let's just let's just this. I had no idea. I know. So Southern Arm Wrestling is run by uh, Pastor Gary. Right. Yeah. <laughs> in the the Action Center in Canton, it's yeah. his church. Uh-huh. It's also. Fozzie's rehearsal room. Right, yeah. So that's where we rehearsed. We filmed the music video. We filmed the music for Judas, video. Right? For, uh, for, it wasn't Judas that we filmed, but we filmed Burmy out there. Uh-huh. We filmed Painless behind oh. in the back in the back alley oh, there. Okay, okay. So so um this is when we were just appearing at different places right. prior to having TV. Kind of promoting, promoting yeah. almost. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Bucks were doing it, they show up at Defy yeah. or whatever. So so here's what happens. You come out, I think something happens, then Kenny comes out, he bumps you or something, and then I attack Kenny from behind. And me and Kenny run a whole little spot. Uh, he gets me up for the one-winged angel. You come in, chop block him, and me and you beat down Kenny Omega. No shit. Yep, wow. 100%. Uh, That's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a whole video of it if you want to watch it. But I remember uh, that now. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Because it wasn't... Was the cat was Sean Dean there or was it Baron Black or there was a couple of the cats? Yeah, there was a, there was a, there was a, a few of us. There, yeah, Lee Johnson was there. Lee I Johnson, believe. that was who was there. Yeah, yep, yeah. yep. And yeah, so I, so I think because we did all that and the spot that we ran, it was a short little thing, but like it went well. I gave him like an NZ and you know we, we did. He got a feel thing. for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I so I think maybe he uh, maybe trusted me or mm-hmm. something like that, and maybe that's why he made me look as good as he did. I'm not sure. So you're going but, over the match and you're realizing this is not going to be four minutes. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like too much longer. I think it went about 6.30 or something like that, which everybody online is always like, oh, why did Kenny Omega go 15 minutes with this guy? Yeah. And it was literally like six minutes, you know? But yeah, and I'm, I'm super grateful for him. And like, I, I owe my career to like three or four people. And I think Kenny's definitely on that list. So, so talk about the match. What were some of the things that you got to do? Because I remember calling it. Mm-hmm. And like, so. Called me Alan Eagles. Alan, Alan Eagles. And, yeah. and one of the reasons for that is I remember we had such a thin roster. Uh-huh. And so many of the Baron Blacks and Alan Angels and, and guys that I'd never heard of. And I'm assuming that probably people are mm-hmm. watching TV. And so I'm trying to give identities right away. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make people under like like who is this guy well he's alan because there's a famous lawyer in nhl history hockey history called alan eagleson uh, who yeah. ripped off all the players uh-huh. and he's one of my dad's most hated guys so my dad played in the nhl at the time alan eagleson ripped us off so That's alan awesome. angels alan eagles alan eagleson so in my mind at least i was like i was trying to interject some some personality yeah, you and did that for a few guys for, too, yeah, yeah not that you didn't have it but i wanted people to, to say like oh this guy's a guy we even though we've never seen him yes he's alan eagles he's alan angels he's, he's good so anyways i think kenny had that attitude from a wrestling standpoint of wanting people to know who you were yeah it was a lot of like asking me like what i wanted to do what i do and all this stuff i had this one spot that i really liked where he hits me with something and I'm, I'm going to crawl out of the ring and i grab the ring skirt and i pull it in as he's pulling me back in i push him off i roll to the outside and he steps on the ring skirt and i pull it out from under him and i was like oh i think that's cool i think maybe like you know nobody's ever seen that and if they have like yeah. you know it's been a long time so i think stuff like that like also made me uh stand out as opposed to j- like it what i i personally think that that i am like fairly decent at wrestling <laughs> so yeah, like absolutely so, so you know i i don't think it was also it was just kenny putting me over which he did he he, he did but a great you have and to he gave be good me, too exactly yeah. yes yes exactly and i and going back to this i think that's 
another reason I, I kind of wanted to, to leave so that I could show exactly how I, I can have these 15, 20 minute matches on shows that might not be as big as AEW, but people see these things. And if people start to realize how good I actually am, mm. how good I think I am, um, then I think. But that's a smart move because once again, like, and that's why I always say, like, you never know who's watching. And like you mentioned, showing up in Canton, you know, at Southern Iron Wrestling, and you didn't know you'd be doing a spot with Kenny Omega, and he probably didn't even know. Let's do something together. And then you went. He probably said, "This guy's this guy's got some some style here. Mm -hmm. He's got some ability." So when you have this match, because I remember the match. Well, first of all, the match was really good, but I remember. Like once again, people will complain about everything and anything. People being so mad that Kenny Omega would, you know, like you said, go 15 minutes with this no-name guy. But it, that's what wrestling's all about. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember I did that with Maven when I was the undisputed champion, and it was like people thought that Maven was actually going to win. Yeah. At one point, I mean, like, Maven eliminating Taker from the there Rumble. There you go. You know, it's like why are you, us cheating to beat Darby in week three? Like, why would you cheat to beat this no-name Darby who was a no-name at the time? Yeah. Well, because that's what wrestling is. You build guys. We had to cheat to beat this guy, and that starts his rise, you know, and Kenny went six and a half minutes with you and put you over, and you deserved it, but it's like this is what wrestling's yeah. all about, right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe I wasn't totally ready for, you know, the big time, quote unquote, big time, you know, but I think at the time I did have, uh, you know, something that I wanted to show, So and, and he let me do that. And So I remember because that was near the beginning, mm -hmm. and then – once again, this marathon day, then you go into the crowd cheering too, right? Yeah, yeah. So so I go back to the locker room. I change back into my regular stuff so I can go in the crowd. Um, and it was a whole complicated thing because there was like, there was, there's four episodes. If you're on this episode, you can't be in the crowd cheering, all that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, you had to figure that out. But so I, I change back into my regular clothes. I come back out. As soon as I come back out, Someone comes up to me, hey, uh, can you do another match? Can you wrestle Lance Archer? I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I have to go back and change. And I had the match with Lance. But uh, yeah. Because I remember you were out there. Anna was out there. Mm -hmm. It was, um, yeah, there was me, Anna, I think Lee Johnson, you know, Vance, was, Cody Vance was out there, Preston Vance. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. There was a bunch of guys. Like, so many, there was a few guys that ended up getting signed that were at that taping. So we had like about 15 people in the crowd. That was it. And I remember the gun club was just starting. I remember, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the Shug D, the Pineapple Pete, that whole thing started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. just trying anything we can to keep the ball running. Because little did we know, like, Tony had the foresight to film all that. But I remember thinking, like, well, just show some reruns or show some highlights. And he's like, I can't show reruns and highlights. This yeah. has live TV we Love have to that. put on a show. Yeah. And just didn't realize, you know, how dire it was that we did all those matches and we had all that stuff happening because it really it really kept the company alive. Yeah. I, I think it's something that's never hopefully yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. never gonna happen again, you know. Yeah. I know Tony always says that twenty nine percent of the roster yeah, right. was, no. was available there, right? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So how did you end up getting getting signed, the actual contract offer? Uh, so, you know, I had the match with Kenny. I wrestled Lance. And then, so all that aired. About a month later, um, we were doing more tapings in Jacksonville. 
So I go down to Jacksonville. I ended up wrestling Phoenix in still one of my favorite AEW matches. Uh, Phoenix is amazing. Best athlete. Yeah, so amazing. And then I also wrestled, and then the next day I wrestled Sammy. Another great athlete. Yeah, right. So we had, I had those two matches. I'm and assuming then, both of them went well. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd like to think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, we had those two matches. And then between the next tapings, I was told that Tony wanted to keep bringing me in and stuff. And then the next taping, I was uh, offered a contract, offered a deal. So, yeah. How did that feel? Oh, man, it was, uh, it was crazy. I, you know, I remember just, like, being in my hotel room, just, like, staring at this contract, like, it's like it's such a surreal thing you know you always hear like the the elusive contract that everybody talks about on the indies like that's like the thing like you want to get signed obviously you know this but like it's just crazy i just remember staring at this contract thinking like wow like i made it but i was also thinking like this is like where the hard part starts i remember talking to somebody else who had also gotten signed at the time and i was like you know this is like where it actually gets hard you know because now you quote unquote made it but you have to stay relevant. Like, I feel like that's honestly the hardest part of, of wrestling is staying relevant and staying, staying like staying involved. Yeah, exactly. Something that you've done great your whole career, reinventing yourself and all that stuff. So it's, it's hard. It is, but you know, it's just something that as wrestlers, you got to deal with. You got to figure it out. Yeah, that's pretty cool though, because like you said during you mentioned you got laid off from your other job because of COVID. Yeah. What was it? I uh, I worked at a doggy daycare. Oh, that's not a bad gig. <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. But once again, that even even the dogs were getting locked down, and sent home. Right. So yeah, yeah. you get laid off from that. Mm-hmm. You see the whole independent scene is dried up. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it it was it was a scary time even for us. And I, I remember week after week of going out there with no people or you know the the forty people that we had and just yeah. like this sucks. This is so hard. Yeah. So hard to do this. And I was, I was talking to somebody, uh, another, in another interview about this, about how it was the first time I'd ever wore a mask. Mm. And I feel like it made it way harder that there was nobody out there because you want to listen to the people and you want to figure out what's working for you as far as like, does this move get a reaction? Does this thing, does this little taunt that I do get a reaction? Does this not work? Whatever. And I feel like figuring out like how to wear a mask and how to, you know, because you kind of have to figure out how to emote and show emotion uh, without your face. You know what I mean? And that's that can be hard to figure out. Very Uh, hard to do. Yeah. And like, especially with no crowd, like you can't really, you know, because we're just stuck with the the workers out there that are just going to cheer no matter what, you know, so you don't really know what works. You know, luckily we have the Internet to where, you know, you kind of see online like what's work. Oh, I liked when this guy did this or whatever. But I feel like it was very hard for me to wear a mask for the first time with no crowd because I had no idea like mm-hmm. what what would work. And it was kind of also like a whole other character because at the time the Dark Order was like a you know, a dark, culty, you know, heel faction. Um so I kinda had to be like this serious, like scary character. Whereas if I'm a heel, generally I like to be this like more cocky, arrogant kind of sure. heel. Um, but I was kind of trying to be more serious and all this stuff and just doing things that I hadn't really gotten a chance to do in my career yet. And I feel like doing all that without a crowd is very hard. Yeah, I remember even just like, you know, did this, like you said, did this selling, am I selling too long? Am I not selling long enough? I mean, did the, did, am I taking enough time? Mm-hmm. Stuff that's just instinctual mm-hmm. when you have the crowd to kind of fill in the gaps. Yeah. You know, okay, this whole, that won't work. Just hold on, stay there. Wait, 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 wait. And there's nothing. And it's just like, yeah. 
there's just a clock ticking of like, well, we got to get this done in 10 minutes. So yeah, here yeah. we go. You know, were you in the dark order right out of, out of the bat then? When you yeah, pretty much. Okay. I, I had all the matches. Uh, I think I had like one more match after the Sammy match. I, I wrestled in a tag match against best friends. I did that. Um, and then the next day, I think uh, we did a little vignette backstage with Brody where he introduced the mask and stuff. And I put the mask on. And the first mask was even worse because it wasn't fitted to my head. It was just like these like generic masks that they had for the creepers, you know. And I was just, it's so big. There's like a picture of me online that's still like floating around online sometimes. Like when an article pops up about me, like it'll still be that picture. And it's me in just like black jeans and I have this big ass mask on and like you can't even see my eyes in it. It's just like, it's just like on my head. So I had to have a match. I wrestled Lee Johnson. I had to have a match in that mask. And I was like, oh my God, this sucks. Cause it's like moving around. You have to fix it a bunch. That's the <laughs> Worst. We'll have to post that picture. You have to send oh, it to Oh, dude, you. it's the worst. So why why was everyone wearing masks at that point in time in the Dark Road? I don't remember. I think it was just kind of like an initiation thing. Uh, everybody except Stu was right. wearing a mask at the time. Silver and Reynolds, they, I don't think they, I think they didn't wear it on the entrance, but then when they wrestled, they would put it on. Um, and me and Vance just kind of had it on all the time, so. Where did the num- name five come from? Uh, I think that was Tony's idea. Uh, he was real high on the uh, the idea of five and dime, which would be me and me and Vance being a tag team. But as soon as I got signed, uh, Vance tore his bicep. Oh, okay. so I think that's kind of why that never really took off. We had a few tag matches and stuff, but I think that was something that like Tony was real excited about. So he's like, five, five is half a ten. Ah, you know. He probably had some kind of tag team when he was a kid in his you know made up wrestling league called Five and Dime. Oh yeah, probably. That's probably yeah. exactly what it was, right? Uh-huh. Um, so you get signed in, in probably around the same time, but I remember the first show back, or maybe it was prior. No, it was prior to the lockdown. Prior to the lockdown taping was when Brody came in because we did Jacksonville. So his first show was supposed to be in Rochester, Rochester. which was the week after Salt Lake, which right. was the first or was the last yeah, show. We missed it by one week. That's right. So we did the Salt Lake show. Then we did the double debut of Matt Hardy and Brody. Right. And then we went to the, to the lockdown matches. But Brody wasn't at the Norcross tapings. No, he was. He was. Gotcha. Yeah, because he came out and power bombed me. That's right, because he was like, "I'm not missing this damn thing." So, yeah. talk about kind of how, how it was with him and the influence, because I think around that time is when, like you mentioned, Silver and Reynolds got they didn't get signed to later, but they were getting used in the Dark Order as well. So, how did that change things when when Brody came in from when Stu and Uno were kind of the leaders of the pack? Um, they so yeah, Silver and Reynolds they they kind of stopped coming because they were they would come from new york you know so they weren't there for for a while when the pandemic started so it was really at the beginning it was just me brody and uh and vance and it was just us three and brody was great like he's like i've said this before he's one of the guys in wrestling and there's very few of these people uh maybe four or five if i'm being generous but like nobody has anything bad to say about him you know what i mean like even before he died it's not like one of those things where like he passes away and now everybody's talking right. about him. you're totally right everybody everybody was you know loved him for real um because he was just such a nice genuine guy um and he would always watch he watched all of the dark order matches uh me vance and anna as well uh and just like kind of give us critiques and what he kind of saw for us as you know characters as how we fit in the dark order if that makes sense yeah yeah he was real good at that stuff so because you guys did a lot of like um I don't know, was it on being the elite or whatever it was with the yeah. Dark Order stuff? So talk about that, because that gave you guys a chance to have some fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, like, some of the most fun that I've ever had in my wrestling career. Like, just doing those bits and stuff. Uh, it started with Alex and, and Silver. 
uh, who were kind of doing like the recruitment bits or whatever. And then eventually they got Brody involved. Brody was very hesitant about it at first because he wanted to be taken as this like serious heel. You know what I mean? Um, so he was kind of hesitant about it because it was kind of silly and, and stuff. Um, but, but once he started, he did a few, he was like, okay, I get this. Cause he could still be taken as this serious character. Um, it was just us that were the, you the lackeys, were, yeah, right, you know what I mean? Right. So where, you know, he would throw the papers at us, but we, and you know, we feared him and, and all this stuff, but it was kind of in a more comical way. Whereas on TV, it was almost a more serious thing. Eventually, um, you know, we started to do more BT type stuff on TV, which I thought was really cool. The uh, casket bit, if you remember, um, where, casket, what was where it? so we had, so I think he had just beat Cody for the TNT title and uh, me, Silver and Reynolds and them, we bring out this casket and we're doing like this little silly dance or whatever. And we open the casket and it's supposed to be Cody Rhodes in there, but we open it and it's, Vance and he gets up and he flexes and it, it, to me it was so funny because it was just like a BTE bit that like made it onto awesome, TV yeah. so uh, it was at that point where, where I think Brody was like okay like this could really be something yeah. you know cool. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What were some of your favorite BT skits that you guys did? Oh, dude. So the one that always comes to mind first is the... Uh, so we, we did a bit with Sue, Trent's mom, where she comes in and she gives us uh, snacks or whatever. And like, I don't remember, but eventually like Sue goes to throw the papers at Silver, but she throws them straight at the ground, like just totally misses them. And we all, we all just kind of break for a second. Brody picks up the papers and gives it back to Sue and she throws it at and tells Silver to sell, sell, sell Sue's papers. And he just gets down and he's is, so that one's awesome. Uh, and then there's like another one where we're in the bathroom and like, it's just, he's just like, he would do this thing where he would get in our face. If we, if he saw we were breaking, he would get in our face and are you f-ing crying? Are you f-ing crying? <laughs> he was great. Yeah. So those, those are some of the, some of the, some of the good ones for sure. How did things change after he passed away for the dark order? Well, you know, we had this, uh, this kind of sympathy factor. Um, and then we just became like these naturally over baby faces i hate to use the term over but you know the crowd loved us yeah. like they didn't we were trying to be these scary heels but it was very hard after that so um but i think naturally like most of the guys in that group are naturally baby faces mm-hmm. anyway so i think it worked out for the best um but it it was fun like i i love doing all that stuff as as you kind of move on after brody's passing were you still wrestling quite often? I, I remember just kind of more Silver and Reynolds being out there more often, but were you guys still still on the show? Yeah, yeah. We So I primarily, and this is kind of how it always was, I, I was primarily only wrestling on, on Dark and stuff. Gotcha. And it, it kind of came became a thing where, like, yeah, I probably lost the most in the Dark Order, but I was wrestling the most of everybody because I would, I would wrestle pretty much every week, but I would always wrestle, like, uh, an Ethan Page or a Scorpio Sky or like one of these guys that's like really 
good mm. you know what i mean and we would have like eight to ten minute matches whereas like everybody else in the dark order they're 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 winning a lot more than me but you know they're only getting to wrestle three or four right. minutes right um and as the youngest guy in the group i i always looked at that as like a good thing you know what i mean i i like i love the fact that i got to re even though i was losing like i loved the fact that i would get to wrestle like these really good wrestlers i got to wrestle some of the best wrestlers in the world like on a weekly basis I never looked at it as a bad thing. Even though I was losing, I, I always looked at it as I'm getting to wrestle. You know, I'm in a, I'm in the same match as Pac. That's an eight to ten minute match. Who Pac is one of the best wrestlers in the world, and I get to have a you know an eight to ten minute match with this guy. Like that's so cool. I don't care that I'm losing. Brian Danielson, my second favorite wrestler of all time. Like I got to wrestle him in Did you? in this building. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, you know, for what, for dark or for, elevation? no, this was on, this was on a uh, dynamite actually. We'll talk about that. Cause you mentioned earlier about how I didn't know you guys had actually wrestled. Yeah. We wrestled in this building actually. Um, and it was, uh, like, this is another thing where like, I'll never say anything bad about Tony or AEW because like, I don't have a wife. I'm not married. I don't have kids. So this was the best moment of my life. You know, like I was in front of my hometown crowd. It's the loudest that I've ever heard my name chanted. Uh, my girlfriend, best friend, and my dad are like third row ringside. And I'm wrestling like one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And it was just, it was like definitely just one of the coolest moments of my life. So, you know, stuff like that is like reasons that, you know, I do love AEW. I think it's, I think it's great. And I love to work in here for sure. You're 24 years old. That's Dude, a pretty big, yeah, big one. Yeah. I mean, I think I was 23 at the time. And it's just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so crazy that like I got to do that. You know what I mean? So. I was putting together the match with Brian. Oh, he's great. You can just tell he's like just one of the smartest guys in the world. You know what I mean? Like. And I think at the beginning, he maybe didn't want to plan as much, but I was just like so nervous. I was like, ah, maybe, maybe I'll do this thing. Maybe I'll do this yeah. thing. You know what I mean? But yeah, he, he's just like one of the smartest guys. And I asked him, I said, how do you see this match going? And he had like it all figured out what he wanted to do and stuff. So he's, he's great. See, that's good for you to get that opportunity. Cause like you mentioned, I mean, a lot of guys call everything in the back. A lot of guys like yeah. kind of feeling it out there. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's good for you to kind of be able to do both. Yeah. Well, I was trained in, in Georgia. So like, you know, we have to do a lot of that down here. So I, I'm pretty comfortable doing that. As far as just calling in the ring. Yeah. yeah just calling it, in the yeah. ring. We, we, most training matches that I had, like we're just calling it in the ring, you know, mm -hmm. five minute match on the fly. It's, 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 I would like to think that I'm probably a little bit more apt at that than than most most wrestlers nowadays yeah like you said georgia georgia indies oh, yeah. tennessee indies that's what it's all about oh dude yeah for sure i so i started at the wba4 which was more you know less of that but then once i start training with qt who's just like i'm sure i'm sure that's how he started training you know so we, a lot of our matches were on the fly did you ever work with any of the kind of the georgia tennessee legends when you were doing the indies like any of the Rock and Roll Express or any of those types no, of guys? No, no. I wrestled um, Tommy Rich one time. Oh, nice. So that was kind of fun. Uh, who, hey, hey, Bill Dundee. I wrestled oh, him. Wow. I was in a match with him. Yeah. What did you do with Bill Dundee and Tommy Rich? I'm sure you weren't doing a lot of uh, <laughs> spots. Uh, so the Tommy Rich match was pretty short. We didn't do too much. Uh, I think he it did. It could be long and you wouldn't do too no, much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, he just like squashed me or whatever. It right. was like when I first started wrestling. And then the uh, Bill Dundee match was a tag match. So I think he just ran the hot tag and that was it. But it was, it was fun. It was cool. Good experiences. Yeah. yeah, definitely. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. 
it probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What were kind of the last few kind of things of merit that you did here with the Dark Order? Because once again, I think the Dark Order is at a crossroads all across the board. Stu's not here anymore. Now you're gone. It's like it's almost like time to do something else with them, perchance. Mm-hmm. But before you left, what were the, kind of the last few things that you did? I mean, we didn't really do too much. Like, you know, we did all the stuff with Hangman and stuff where we we were just kind of like his his guys where we were feuding with the elite. So all that stuff was cool. So we did that stuff. Um, it was still mostly just me having dark matches against guys. The last match I had here was against uh, your boy Garcia, um, and it was so, I love that guy. He would hate me if I if he heard yeah. me say that, but he's great. So I wrestled him. A few, I wrestled QT, and like, I mean, that was pretty much it. We one of my favorite things we did in the Dark Order was when Hangman left. Right when we went on the road, he we had that ten man tag or whatever, um, and then he left for a while right before his, uh, his feud with Kenny culminated. Right. And we feuded amongst ourselves, which I really liked. I thought, I thought all that stuff was cool because I thought, even though a lot of it was on dark and stuff, I thought it let all of us kind of show who we are individually as characters oh. on an actual... Uh, like so you guys were kind of getting in arguments with each other and working right. each other. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a match with Uno, which I, which was one of my favorites here because it was such a different response from the crowd than I've ever heard. It wasn't even like a, they weren't like cheering both of us. They weren't booing both of us. Like they legitimately just didn't want us to fight. Like we honestly probably shouldn't have done as much in that match as we did because they literally didn't want to see us fight the whole time. They were just chanting, please don't fight. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was so crazy. I'd never like we were running spots. They weren't. Yeah. Booing or anything. They literally just didn't want to see us fight. So it was really cool. It kind of I feel like we told a good story in that that I feel like is a little underappreciated just because I feel like a lot of people didn't didn't see it and get to see what was going on, you know, but I think it got all of us a chance to show who we are as individual characters. Well, yeah. And also show that people are into your act. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the thing when you talk about turning babies, especially when you have negative one out there, Brody's son is running yeah. around with the mask. on. I mean, they're not going to be booing you on that. So they probably definitely. didn't want you to be fighting each other. No, yeah, they definitely didn't. And, and you know, I think everybody online was just like so scared that like we were actually going to break up and, but I mean, luckily on each other. Yeah. yeah. Luckily we didn't. But um, yeah, those are some of my favorite, favorite matches with the dark order. So now you make the decision to leave. Was it hard from a personal standpoint, having a lot of friends here? Like you mentioned, the whole Dark Order, all the stuff that you had gone through. Is that kind of hard? Yeah, definitely. I think that's... uh, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today, actually, that I think the hardest part was just like, you know, I'm not going to get to see all all the friends that I made here every week anymore. You know, I was on the road pretty much every week, you know, and I got to hang out with the vlog crew, Sammy and all them. And uh, we won't see each other as much anymore. And so that kind of sucks. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll see each other again. Yeah, I think that's definitely the hardest part is, is leaving, you know, this quote unquote family that I have here. But it's wrestling. I'm sure we'll see each other down the road. Well, and once again, you know, you've made the right choice for, for you and your career, you know, and, and once you made up your mind, you can't really look back. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I'm glad to hear Absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> so what's your... What's your plan then? What? Because I know you, and I want to talk. You just did a match in Impact that was really well received. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that first. So, what uh, kind of? How did you end up going into that? So I was literally on a plane to California, uh, where which is where my girlfriend lives right now. So I was literally on a plane there, 
and I get a text from Scott Moore asking me if uh, I wanted to uh, come and have a ma- badass match, quotes from him, <laughs> a badass match with Mike Bailey. And I was like, absolutely I do. So, I, so I, it was like two days before, uh, so I had to just like turn right around and, and go back to Atlanta because it was, it was in Atlanta. And uh, so it was very last minute, but it was so like, I was so grateful that I got to do that. And Mike Bailey is one of those guys who is like just killing it right now on the Indies. He's been killing it for years. Fellow Canadian. Yeah, but now the name's getting out about him, right? Yeah, oh, yeah the word's getting out about him. Yeah. yeah, definitely. He's like one of those guys, and he's just like so good. He's been doing it for a while, and he's just like he's so smart to the business and, and, and wrestling in general. So uh, having that match with him was super cool, and I loved seeing everybody respond to it, and then everybody really liked it. Meant a lot. You got some time, I assume? Yeah, yeah. We went about 10 minutes, and it was for the uh, X Division Championship, which is like one of those things I grew up watching. Like, oh, dude, like these guys, these guys like this is what I want to do. You know what I mean? So, yeah. No, that's cool that, you know, your first match kind of out of here is, is a match, a highlighted match with, with Speedball and Impact Television. The fact yeah. they reach out to you, that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah. I, and, you know, I, don't, I have no idea what the future holds for me, but, like, Impact was, was great. Uh, I'm also doing New Japan shows um, out in California. So, nice. like, that stuff is really cool, too. So, so let me ask you this. How did you get involved um, with, with the New Japan? Are you just picking up the phone and calling, going back to basics? or I literally just was like, uh, hey, uh, Rocky, you think maybe I could come in for a strong one time? And he was like, sure, man. Mm-hmm. And that was it. It was, it, was, it was at AEW. So I was like, okay, cool. Might as well just ask. You know, it doesn't hurt to ask. never right. hurts to ask. So talk about those shows. Are, they, are there tapings? Do they do it in front of people? Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sometimes they do them in front of uh, bigger crowds. Uh, the ones in California is a little, little smaller venue, um, but it's still really cool to just like wrestle in that ring that I've seen on TV so, yeah. so much, you know. Um, no, yeah, those tapings are really cool. I, I, I really enjoy doing uh, both Impact and New Japan. Yeah, they're, they're just there's dope. There's a lot of great guys in that New Japan. Oh, strong. yeah, there's so many guys like like on in both X, the X division and impact and the, uh, the, uh, juniors in, in new Japan right now, like both of those divisions are killing it. And I feel like those are both places that I, I feel like I could really strive, you know, if you do good and strong, is there kind of like a carrot dangling of you get to go to or to new Japan? I've, I'm only, I'm only doing my second show. I'm doing my second show next month, uh, with new Japan. So, you know, I don't know, uh, who knows where it'll lead. I feel like a few guys have, have gone from strong to actually going over to Japan. So that would be really cool. And that's another thing like that I'm super excited to do is just like travel in October. I'm debuting in England and Canada. So it's like, it's like shit like that. Like that's why I wanted to, you know, spread my wings, so to speak. Let me ask you this is when you leave, you know, the company and the contract and all that stuff, how do you get the word out? How are people finding you? Are they all contacting you from England and Canada or do you have like a, a, a come to this email and book me or like, how does that, how do you kind of build yourself up after you've been in the big leagues here? For so a lot of it nowadays is just like on Twitter, yeah. you know, <laughs> like people yeah, just like, great. yeah, people just hit me up on Twitter. Um, and it is a lot of me. I have to reach out too. It's not like I'm just this, like all, all of a sudden I'm just automatically like a big star or whatever. I have to hit up these guys and like, really, I feel like I really have to grind to like try and get my name out there that like, Hey, like I'm, I'm willing to travel. I'm willing to do this and that um, because I feel like, and I feel like there's another reason to kind of leave AEW as a part of AEW. I feel like there's this kind of notion that, you know, you're going to be like worth a lot of money and like, you're going to be maybe like a, a diva or whatever. Um, but I'm not, I really just like, I legitimately just want to wrestle and I just want to show everybody how good I am, how good I think I am. Um, 
so like that's that's the big thing so i feel like a lot of these places are kind of tentative about reaching out to me because maybe they think i'm you know gonna be whatever about it but no i just i legitimately just want to wrestle and i just want to show everybody how good i am so it is a lot of me reaching out to them i do have like a like an email that they that they can email but that's kind of just for looks you know what i mean just so i kind of look professional but yeah do you have like is your calendar filling up now oh yeah like it's it's like i have the whole like notes app where it's just like all the dates and there's so many it's 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 cool to see that you know what i mean just like pleasantly surprised like when you leave you're like is anyone gonna want me or yeah oh definitely i mean i was i was a little concerned that like once the word of me leaving got out that maybe no one was going to care, but you know, luckily enough, uh, it seemed like a, a good amount of people cared. So like I said, I did, I did build up a pretty decent following, um, through BT, through the vlogs and through AEW. you know what I mean? So like when I, when the word got out that I left, uh, it kind of was a big deal. You know what it I sounds mean? Sounds like you had, you know, obviously that sounds like you had some pretty good matches along the way where people would see that too. Yeah. You yeah. know, even if you're talking about dark, that's still, you know, a quarter of a million people watching that 300,000, 400,000 watching it. So right. the word gets out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Do you have any uh, aspirations at all of, of, of a WWE at all, trying to get into that scene? You know, I, I I think about it sometimes, and, you know, I don't know if I'm, like, their cup of tea right now, but then I also see, like, you know, that they are bringing back some indie guys into the, into the NXT scene. So, you know, it's something I've kind of thought about, but it's – I've never really seriously considered it, but, you know, I don't know. You never know. Yeah. I, I think for now I just kind of want to – figure out like who Alan Angels really is because like I think I have the wrestling part down I think the hard part is the character and the the personality and all that stuff and I think I'm getting I'm getting it more and more and more as I'm doing these these indie matches where I'm getting to really show like you know what I can do in these 15 20 minute matches but I think I'm also starting to figure out who Alan Angels is as a character but I think for now at least a year or so I'd like to just kind of do my own thing and figure that out just wrestle too yeah because exactly. you're right though that is that is the the eternal question what is the character of Alan yeah. Angels who is this guy yeah you know? it's 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 hard you know and I don't know somebody I was talking to somebody oh uh, Orange Cassidy you know he's he's one of those guys he's like you know I've been doing this for, I did this for 15 years until I figured out what I was so it's yeah. like you know I, I'd really like to just figure that out I think It'll come, especially yeah. with the more reps you do, the more traveling you do, the more experiences you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, last couple of questions. Is there some, some like dream matches for you out there on the indie scene that you want to have some guys you want to work with? Yeah. Oh, I hate this question because I, <laughs> I always blank when I, when I, when I think of this, um, but like Nick Wayne is a guy yeah. like who was about him. Yeah. He, he just got signed to some sort of uh, developmental deal here, which is really cool. 16 or something. Yeah, exactly. So like, I'd love to have a match with him, uh, in the future. Um, Takeshita, who is a guy I I don't know if he's actually signed here or not, but uh, you know I'd love to have a, a match with him at some point. He's doing a bunch of indies right now, so I'd love to wrestle him. Who else? There's like guys like Blake Christian and Alex Zane, and I've, I've actually never wrestled JD Drake, who's a guy who works here, but like he does indies, and I'd love to get in the ring with him. Yeah, like I said, I always blank on these questions, yeah, but like Alex them. Shelley and Chris Sabin are like guys that I've always really wanted to work as well. So yeah. What about England? How long are you going over there for? Um, so right now it's, I, it's looking like just the weekend gotcha. because I got to come back over here and I've other dates I've already committed yeah, yeah, yeah. to, but I would love to do like a whole like month or so mm-hmm. there, you know, I think that would be cool. And I saw a bunch of guys from impact and stuff. We just went over to, uh, Australia. So like going over there and doing a whole tour there would be really cool too. Well, there's lots of stuff coming up. I'm sure. Uh, last question for you. What's your favorite match that you ever had? 
Oh, that's such a hard question because I have like matches that I like because of the match content, and then there's matches that I like because of the sentimental value. My my Tell first something. my first one that I would say for sentimental value would be the Brian Danielson right. match because it was in my hometown in front of my hometown crowd, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So that would go at the top of my list. Um, I would say that for sure. I mean, as far as like the actual wrestling content, I feel like there's so many that it's just kind of hard to like separate them all. You know, mm-hmm. like I had a match with Garcia, like the last match I had here. Right which was so fun and that guy is so awesome. So like that would probably go up there. I've had a match with Lee Moriarty that was really good. The match I had with Uno was really fun. So yeah. Lots of good ones to come though, man. I hope so. I hope so. That's the goal, man. On a worldwide basis. Alan Angels is out there, baby. Yeah, I try. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate (laughs) you you having me, man. That was awesome, man. Thank you.